Hey, everybody. Good morning. Anna J. Wallner here with Indie Author Chat, and I am so happy to have with me uh, today, Allison. Allison, would you like to introduce yourself? Absolutely. Good morning, Anna. So most people know me as Allison Martin, which is my contemporary romance pen name. I'm actually Allison Hubbard, and I run under two pen names because I also do literary science fiction, and in that I go by A.M. Hubbard. So Usually you just see me as a fictional Hubbard, which somebody yesterday said they thought it was a fictional husband. I'll take that too. Honestly, if it works for romance, I'll take it. But yes, my name is Allison. I answered to just about anything at this point, but that's who I should be, I guess, Allison. That's why I said Allison, because I know that you have a couple of different pen names and <laughs> I didn't want to run them all together and say Allison Hubbard Martin to mm -hmm. make, make it sound like you had six last name. Yeah, yeah, I've gone through a lot of husbands, a fictional husband too. So I just, I just keep tacking on the last name. <laughs> no, Martine is my middle name. And growing up, my last name actually rhymed with it. So I was very happy to have that change because I grew up as Allison Martine Keen. My parents did that to me. They say they love me, but I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, you're fine. Hey, you've got, um, you've got the, the, the last book and she she has a, a series called the bourbon books and the first two books are out now the first one is dibs and the third is coming out here in just a little bit move on melinda yes you like the uh, author stripe i just <laughs> my first copy and it's available now for pre-order and it yes. will be releasing valentine's day weekend so for those of us that maybe haven't checked out the first two in the series, can you give us a little bit of information about the characters and background? Sure. Well, so the first book, Dibs, I kind of joke is fan fiction of my life where I took some things that didn't go so well in real, life, in, in real life. And then I retconned a few events, threw in a couple of celebrity cameos, made things a lot better than they worked out for me in real life. Um, but yeah, Dibs is about this main character. Her name's Olivia, and she's just come off a pretty rotten divorce that's left her feeling about this big, at least inside, and doesn't really feel like she's looking for love. She doesn't really think she's worthy of love or that someone could find her attractive. And she ends up at this work seminar that she's going to be gone for two weeks doing, isn't expecting to do anything, but just be bored and get through it and ends up falling in love with one of her own coworkers. So that's, that's the basic story of Dibs. And the second story since September picks up where Dibs left off. And the third story, as you can kind of tell by the fact that it's not about Olivia is called Move On Melinda, which features the same characters as Dibs, but it's got a new main character, which is one of Olivia's friends. So it was really fun writing the third one because I got to be, they're all third person limited. So all okay. of them, none of them are first person, but I got to be in someone else's head and someone else's perspective. And that was really fun also just to be able to see my main character through someone else's eyes. And since the, my, the main character in the first two is very similar to me, it's kind of fun to put myself in and see me from the outside and how, how I've been perceived and kind of have some fun with that too. So that is really Interesting. That is really, really cool. I, I didn't, I, I would have never thought to, to, to do that, to, to take the third book and make it from someone else's point of view. That's so, that's so interesting. And now, now you get kind of a different person's perspective on, on some of the things 
that yeah, have I mean, it, already happened. New, yeah. I mean, it's a new story. So it, it, time-wise they all move forward in events, but it's okay. When we finish since September, things are kind of in a good place for the main character. And I'm not one of those authors who just likes to hurt people, not my main characters and not, not the readers. So by the time those stories have wrapped up, they're still living their lives, but they aren't going to be so dramatic and ridiculous that they make good stories. So they're still in the story, but someone else, it's their turn to be in the hot seat and have the ridiculous drama and have those fun, saucy moments. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those, one of those stories where it's a universe as far as the same characters throughout, but some of them are going to be main characters or secondary characters or just bit players. Um, but all of them kind of feature some of these stories retold through other people's perspectives. In fact, some of my favorite scenes in the middle book since September have other people's perspectives on events we saw in dibs that just other people being the storyteller, you get some very different versions of what they thought happened or how they perceive people. So that's so always that's fun to read. That's always fun to read as, as a reader is to see how, uh, from a different perspective, how, how, how they're perceiving the story. It's kind of a nice little jump into someone else's brain. That's, yeah. that's always fun to do and fun to write too. <laughs> I had fun writing them. I mean, if, if I'm not having fun writing them, people aren't going to have fun right. reading them. And I know some people, like I joke that these are, these are my fun books. These are my these are my light books. And I know some people have said, well, there's a lot more to them. They're, they're, they've got depth and the characters are really relatable. And yes, they're not completely just cotton candy, but I do joke they're my cotton candy books because like I said, I also write literary science fiction and that's, it's deeper, it's heavier. It has these, mm -hmm. these themes that maybe I don't get into as much with the romance, but I still always focus on people and relationships and writing characters that people can see themselves in and really relate to because I feel like if a character doesn't have that depth then people are going to read and go well something happened to them and I don't care um exactly yeah. helps readers to get more invested in your character when you're invested in your character writing it and these are not your typical romance books no. these um are are uh romance books for people who don't like romance <laughs> So what sets them apart from a typical standard romance? Well, I think it's a couple things. And I'm sure it really depends on what romances you've read. So I know one of my friends, Erin, um, she has said that they are very similar to Alice Clayton's Wallbanger books. So I haven't gotten a chance to read those yet because, little confession, I didn't really read a lot of romance because I didn't enjoy a lot of romance before I started writing it. And then I had to look for comp titles. So for people who don't know what that is, comp title means a comparable title that you can either tell readers or prospective publishers or agents, right. hey, this is a book that's kind of similar. similar. So I actually went to my local library, pulled a bunch <laughs> of books that looked like they might be similar. None of them had that same feel. And that's what I was looking for more than a plot line, more than some kind of superficial similarity. But how the book made me feel as a reader. And that's really kind of the hard thing to encapsulate in just a sentence or two, um, because I do say they're rom-com, but a lot of times when you think of rom-com, you're thinking of these over-the-top ridiculous things that don't really happen in real life, or the, the humor sometimes feels really cringeworthy, where you're like, yeah. I'm laughing, but I mostly just don't want to see this because this is a train wreck and people are just doing things that just hurt. And I, I won't I won't name names, but one of the most well-known rom-com author. I read one of her books because I was told, well, this is the queen of the genre. You have to read her book. And I just, 
I just cringed the whole time and just went, I don't find any of this funny. I don't find any of this romantic. I don't, I don't like the main character and I don't like the guy that she's supposed to be falling in love with. And it also relies a lot on some of the, some of the cliches or the tropes, like the misunderstanding that lasts for 90% of the book, which is why the two of them didn't get together or two characters who don't like each other or don't think they're compatible because they just don't think they are. <laughs> but it's cleared up in the first five minutes and then we spend another 300 pages watching them argue about, but we're not compatible. So we're going to keep having sex secretly and not tell our friends. Right. To I read that say, book. Staying, <laughs> right. So staying away from, from, from the same tropes that, that you're tired of. I know, I know that that's, that's always a good thing to take a look at a book that you don't like and sometimes say, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Uh, people are tired of seeing this and, and, and kind of uh, X out the things that you don't want to do, which can help you move in a direction that's unique and gives readers a fresh perspective on a romance genre. Well, and I've said I've read more romance now having written it. So I have found those that I resonate with and I go, okay, it's really all about those feels. And that's really yeah. something that's hard to quantify because I'm sure every author who wrote it, they get the feels. And I'm sure some of the author or some of the people who read those books, they get them too. But I find a lot of them that I read, there's nothing about it that makes me just go, oh, my heart's breaking for this person or, oh, I'm falling in love with the characters as they fall in love. And that's just something that I'm sure some people read my books and go, well, I didn't get that from yours either. So <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where it's so uniquely personal that hopefully that's what your readers are getting. Um, but part of the reason I say I, I'm the romance writer for people who don't read romance is because I didn't read a lot of romance. So some of it may have just come from the fact that I was coming in with an outsider's perspective and not falling into, it has to hit these beats at certain times because these are the rules. Um, but I don't mess with the rules as far as there's still a happily ever after because otherwise it's just everyone's sad and Romeo and Juliet are dead on the ground. And that's a tragedy guys. That's a tragedy. So <laughs> that is not a love story. No. Well, and some of the books I enjoy have other storylines too. So they're not like a pure romance. They're a fantasy romance or they're an adventure romance or they are romantic suspense. And those are fun too, but they, they have other storylines beyond just the romance that, the, the reader can expect. And mine in that case would be considered pure romance because there's nothing else going on. They're not diffusing bombs. There's no bank robberies that happen. It's about people and relationships. And usually the, the middle book takes place over a longer period of time, but the first book and the third book take place over very short periods of time, which I kind of find to be easier to write simply because you're seeing people in the moment processing things and not, okay, so we're going to have this conversation and then we're not going to talk for three months because who does that? Like, if, if I had a conversation with somebody that left me heartbroken, I wouldn't just stew over it for three months. I'd want to be getting back to that person and fixing this or having my feelings heard. But maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm just a weirdo. No, I don't think that you're weird at all. Um, uh, but are there specific tropes that you absolutely won't touch within the writing within the the because it sounds like you incorporate romance in most of your books whether or not they are purely romance or they deal with sci-fi uh and fantasy oh, no there's no romance in my sci-fi at all there isn't oh, okay I'm sorry I'm just no I mean it's it's I say I deal with relationships but one of my favorite relationships for me are actually friendships and 
I would say my literary sci-fi is really about friendships. It's also about motherhood. The main character is a mom with a toddler. Um, But that's, that's in my science fiction. But when it comes to romance tropes, I think for me, I don't, I don't hate any tropes necessarily. It's really all about how they're done. And I don't mind seeing some of them if they're done well in a way that I find engaging and I find humorous. But I mean, I've seen things like, well, it's the guy who broke the girl's heart because he thought he was doing the right thing for her, but he never talked to her and just completely robbed her of her agency. I, I don't, I don't want to read that. To me, that's not romantic. The guy who's like, well, I broke, I broke your heart because I thought you needed to get out of this small town and go chase your dreams. Well, let her choose that. You know, I, I don't want to read 300 pages of, well, this is why I cheated on you because I thought it was for your own good. So that's not going to work for me. Sorry. No, I'm completely with you. One of the, one of the things that I will absolutely put down in any genre are unhealthy relationships. If the relationship is not uh, something that is conducive to uh, a, a healthy you know, a a healthy relationship, even if there is some, let's face it, there has to be some contention within any relationship. No relationship is perfect. It just isn't. Um, But um, if it's done, if the debates are done in a healthy way and not in an unhealthy way, then, then, then that's great. But I will absolutely put a book down, throw it across the room. Won't pick it up again. If it has any kind of violence, against uh, women or unhealthy relationship uh, undertones. So I totally hear you. And I fortunately haven't come across any like that, but I also stay away from, I know there are certain genres out there that even that's the point of them. Yeah. And I'm not going to tell anybody what they can't read. I'm not going to shame or anything that just, it doesn't do anything for me. So I'm not, I'm not going to pick it up in the first place if I'm aware of what that is. That's just my preference. I've personally been through those toxic relationships. And yeah. so I don't, I don't necessarily want to read them. I don't blame you at all. You're like, hmm. Well, and I, I would can... say I, I, it's not necessarily a trigger for me, but, and, and like I said, my main character is divorced. I was cheated on by my ex-husband. So I'm never going to read a relation. I'm not going to read a, a romance where it's characters are cheating on their partners. That to me, it's like, that's an automatic and no for me. So I'm not going to read it. Yeah. Right. But I don't, I don't blame anybody else if that's one they want to read about. So if that's their thing, knock yourself out. <laughs> right. Or, you know, if there's, um, uh, if there's a, 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 an issue with, uh, I, I know that, that reverse harems are a big, uh, a big trope right now. And it's a thing right now. <laughs> and I will have to say, I've not yet read one, but I, I am. But I'm intrigued to see what all of the fuss is about. It may be a trope that I enjoy. It may not be a trope that I enjoy. So I'm, uh, I have no comments on that as of yet. Like, uh, <laughs> verdict but, is still out. <laughs> but, uh, but, but I do, but I do enjoy just a good romantic story. It's nice to, to see a happy ending. I think we all kind of need a happy ending right now, especially. And uh, so, so I I definitely do want to check out Dids. It is on my, uh, I've I've actually already ordered it. It's on my Kindle. I (laughs) should have brought it over here and showed you guys, but it is on my Kindle. It looks like this. (laughs) And it looks like that. (laughs) And, um, and I'm, I'm definitely looking for some escapism uh, into a, a nice romantic, because I am, you know, um, I'm, I am kind of a, a hopeless romantic 
I do. I, I do think that I think at heart, I think we kind of all are, you know, so, but you've, uh, you, you have written other genres as genres, as we talked, as we talked about, um, uh, but what is one genre that you have absolutely no interest in writing? Would you ever write a political thriller or a, uh, a crime thriller or a procedural? See, okay, so my background is actually as a lawyer. <laughs> and I laugh because people are like, oh, so now you write legal thrillers? And I go, there was nothing thrilling about what I was doing, guys. You don't want to. That's why I asked the question. Sitting, sitting in a depot for eight hours, staring at her laptop, playing solitaire and hoping nobody's noticing because she's just trying to stay awake. Um, no, I used to, I used to practice law. And while I did briefly work for the Los Angeles district attorney's office as a certified legal clerk, while I was still in law school, when I practiced, I was doing all civil stuff. So unless you really want to read about construction defect, I mean, maybe you do. I, I did have a case. I, I probably shouldn't say any details, but um, we were representing a contractor where they had done some work in someone's attic and the guy fell through his attic because there was something that wasn't properly covered. So, you know, it was a long time ago. He's fine. But still, <laughs> kind of kind of funny there because the person who had gotten hurt was an attorney himself and he was oh, representing God. himself. And then I later had the opportunity to meet this man in a separate situation. And he was raving about what a good attorney I was. And I'm going, I'm not sure why you like me after this, but okay. And I, it just meant that I conducted myself professionally and I wasn't someone who was trying to do anything underhanded and I'll take all the lawyer jokes you can get because I, I haven't practiced in over a decade so it's it's fair now and I can laugh along with everybody else but but no I don't really have any desire to write those kind of stories simply because my own experience there didn't lend to any good stories my right. own personal life lended way more creative stuff and more fun things and that's the kind of stuff that I would rather read personally, but I wouldn't say no that, oh, I'd never write like a political thriller, but it would end up being something ridiculous. Like, I don't know if you've read any Carl Hyacin. He is no. one of my, he is one of my favorites. All of his stuff is set in Florida and it's all over the top and ridiculous. Cause think about all the things we hear that happened in Florida uh -huh. and, and, the, and Texas, well, and Florida, all, Texas. all over the, all over the U S right now. True. True. I mean, everything's going crazy. You just pick a place and then go, okay, here you have murder hornets. And over here you have, did you find out that uh, the Loch Ness monster is actually just a long neck turtle, which is kind of disappointing, but that's what happens when you're in Scotland. Uh, that's what the new theory is, is the Loch Ness monster is a really, have you ever seen some of those snake neck turtles that have really long necks that it's just an overgrown yes. massive turtle? No, we have, no. we have snapping turtles here in Texas that are huge and they're, be a they're, Loch Ness monster. <laughs> they're alligator, they're alligator snapping turtles. And oh, they, I've can, seen those. They, they can literally take your finger off. Guys, don't, they're scary. Don't pet but the no, turtle. But no pet the turtle, no. Not no but so if I were ever to write something like that, um, all my stuff incorporates a lot of humor. I don't I don't think my lit sci-fi is terribly funny. I mean, there's, there are jokes throughout, but most of the stuff I don't think I could write something that's just completely straight faced and doesn't have any kind of silliness in it just because I can't, I don't, right. I can't focus that long without being ridiculous at some point. So if I were to do something and I was told, okay, Carl Hyaston has asked you to write the next book in his very loose universe series. I, I would have fun doing that. I don't know if that's really naturally my style to be that big and that over the top because I feel like my humor gotcha. is usually 
more grounded and relatable and things that you can actually see happening. But his stuff's pretty funny. I wouldn't mind. I don't know about you, but um, a lot of the the witty banter that uh, that I incorporate into dialogue back and forth is actually stuff that I would have said or have said before. Because uh-huh. if, if you if, if you guys can't tell, we've got quite the little witty banter going <laughs> that uh, uh, we uh, started even before we started rolling. So I'm kind of a bit of a smart by nature and uh so i bleeped <laughs> myself i bleeped <laughs> myself okay. i bleeped myself but yeah um I, i'm a little bit of a smart ass by nature so uh so that kind of comes through in my writing and it it sounds like i mean that's fun to write though because because you know everybody needs a little bit of levity and in, in in what they're reading unless it's uh, unless it's horror and then it's got to be you know i couldn't I, I that's one genre that i couldn't write i don't think yeah well, and I, one of my best friends writes horror, so I just let her do it and have her not there, freak me out too much. Exactly. But, so, so one of my dearest, we call her, well, we call each other book sisters when we're in public, but otherwise we're just sister wives, which is kind of hard considering we've never actually met because she's in New Hampshire and I'm in California. So there's a little bit of a continent between us. Um, kind of. She writes, she writes amazing Gothic horror. So I will always shout out Jennifer Ann Gordon's books and she writes beautiful literary Gothic horror that it isn't, it isn't gross. And it isn't usually things that make you go, Oh, well, I'm never going to sleep at night, but you'll feel unsettled. It's more, I don't do like the really gory. It's not my word. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like the stuff where it's, I'm pretty sure Midsummer featured stuff like that. I haven't seen some of these movies. I saw a couple um, I don't know why, but I agreed to watch Platform, which is a Spanish horror movie. Don't watch that if you. Okay. Ever, it's not. It's one of those things where it's like, oh, you should check this out, and I agreed to watch it, and I knew what it was going to be within about three seconds, and yet I still sat through it. And I think the only reason I was able to kind of distance myself is I'm doing it like MST three thousand style and talking at the camera the whole time. Okay. Like, don't do this. This is stupid. I don't even believe this. So I'm sure I kind of removed the experience for anyone watching with me but no I I I do um I I do appreciate those who can write the genres that I can't um especially um horror and and sci-fi like you can um but uh because I don't um I I I I I don't have that capability and poetry I don't have that capability either so I enjoy reading what you guys write I just don't have uh the the ability to write it but well, you uh, know, the, the writing community is a community and no one author should be like, I'm going to write every book that you're going to read and you can't read any other authors, but just me. I mean, I, I love it when people are like, oh, give me book recommendations. And if they tell me genres they prefer, I will probably have recommendations from others in the writing community that I've read and I've enjoyed. I'm still working my way through my TBR, which is taller than I am at this point. Oh. But, but I, I've read enough different things that there are things that I like to read, but I don't write. And there are things that I go, okay, this is probably not something I'm ever going to really enjoy, but I, I don't have anything against people who do like to read those things. And even um, one of the things that has really changed in my reading in the last year is I now am one of the co-hosts for a podcast called Box Vomitus. And when we do that, I try to read the guests beforehand. I can't with all of them. Sometimes the books aren't out yet and they sent one art copy to one of the hosts and if I'm lucky maybe I'm able to find a copy somewhere later but 
we do a show every week, so I can't get through a book every week, every week, yeah. especially if they're like the massive books. But I try to because I feel like I'm able to understand where this person's coming from a little better if I've actually had a chance to read or listen to their books. I love I love listening to audiobooks. It, it's the only way I'll do laundry now is if someone's telling me a story in my ear. But yeah, I, I like to do when I like to do that when I can. And because of that, we've had people on from genres I normally wouldn't pick up just because they're not my preferred genre. And like I said, my TBR is way Correct. Mine's yeah, growing. And because they keep getting bigger and people keep releasing books that you go, oh, I really want to read that, that there's there's no way I can get through all of them. But because of Vox Vomitus, I've read way outside my genre comfort zones. And I found some really amazing books in, in places that I wouldn't have even been wandering those stacks in Barnes and Noble. So it's forced me to do that. I've discovered authors that way that are now on my must read list that I didn't even know existed a few months ago, but I'm sure if I would have said these names to people in that genre or who read that genre, they're like, how did you not know who this person was? And I'm just like, Because I don't read, because I don't read that genre. And it's it's the same for me with say, you know, procedurals or, or Mm -hmm. uh, legal thrillers or, or um, I'm trying to think like political thrillers. It's it's not a genre that I typically enjoy uh, reading. So it's, you know, you could mention a very famous author there and I would, and you're like, I would have no idea who they are because it's, are they it's good? Not, it's, it's, yeah. Is it good? Tell, can you tell you like me that? Okay, but I like being able to recommend books in a, a variety of, of genres. Cause I hate when I hear people go, I don't like reading. And I just think, okay, well you, you either, some people don't like reading with their eyeballs, which is why I'm going, have you heard of cloud library or audible? And Cloud Library is free from my local library. And I discovered the best book I read all last year, just scrolling with my finger and stopped when I saw some bright colors that caught my eye and read the title and then the blurb. And I'm interviewing the author later today. So I'm going, yay, that's amazing. Um, But it's one of those things where, okay, you don't like to sit down and read. Maybe you don't have a lot of time. Do you have a long commute? Listen to a book that way. I mean, one of my dreams, eventually, I would love to get the bourbon books on some kind of audio platform and hasn't happened yet. It may happen in time. One of my dear writing buddies has offered, she's like, I'll do your narrator. And she has a great voice and I can hear her as Olivia and all this stuff. She's, she's younger than me, so she can pull this off and sound realistic. But right now it's just, there's too much else on my plate for me to go, okay, figure out how to do this and do it properly. Right. It's, it's down on the list, but I, I'd like to have that happen because I do know there are a lot of people out there who are like, I would love to read your book but I never have time to sit and read or I read so slowly or I start reading and I fall asleep because my yeah. brain just goes. It's tough. Oh. It's tough for me because the only time that I have uh, is when my, you know, we're both parents and uh, whenever our kids go to sleep, that's like, you know, mommy's happy time. And what yeah. do I do? What do I do with this very small mm-hmm. amount of time that I have all to myself? Do I read? Do I work on my work in progress? Do I do laundry? Do I do the dishes? And sometimes writing just uh, or reading just kind of falls by the wayside. Unfortunately, well, and, and that's what happens. And there's not there's enough not time. time, right? And that's why I love having the audio option. The audio book because those things that I have to do because for some reason my kids all expect to keep eating. I I don't know why, but I have to I have to actually have dishes for them to eat on and food. It doesn't clean, cook. It clean, clean yeah, clothes. Like clean clothes. 
Honestly, the kids don't care about the clean clothes as much as I do. Like, you're not going to, I, I let my seven-year-old wear a sweatshirt over her jammy top because she was just really happy in her jammy top. I'm like, you're not going to take it off. Just keep it on good. You do you. But I do, I do audible when I'm in, in the kitchen cooking, you know, you're browning some beef or doing some dishes or doing laundry. And I joke, I used to be one of those people who was like, audiobooks aren't real reading hair toss. And my, my husband actually is the one who did that because he was trying to get through the, uh, the dark tower series and he was having trouble with one of them. And I said, okay, fine. The later books are better. I understand this book might be a little slow. He got it on audio just to do it. And I'm like, well, you didn't really read it. And I totally gave him a hard time with that. Then later he gets audible. And the first book he downloads was narrated by one of my childhood crushes, which is totally cheating to be like, Hey, Will Wheaton read this for you. Then I have Will Wheaton talking to me for hours at a time. So of course I'm going to read it. And I'm. And now you're, now you're. Now I'm like a junkie. Give me audio books right here. He converted you. I love that. It was Ready Player One, Will Wheaton narrating, and I'm, I'm sold. Hey, Will, tell everybody really quick before we, before we run out of time about your podcast, guys. um, It's called Vomitous Vox and it's on tonight, actually. it's it's Vox Vomitus. We say it's fake Latin because it it's translated. It would actually probably be Vox means voice and vomitus actually means like to be emptied. Like doesn't actually mean to throw up. But okay. we, we joke that what it means is it's your first draft, your vomit draft. We say I it's like that. When, you, when you really probably shouldn't still keep writing this and this idea is not so good, but you're doing it anyway. Because we, we love talking to these best-selling authors and other creative types. And yes, we talk to them about the work that everyone is fawning over them for. But we also talk about that first draft they wrote when they were 13 and their mom still has, but they don't really want to talk about it. They'll talk about it with us. And usually we're drinking, so that helps. But they will come and tell us about the things that, yeah, here's the book that I threw away at 30,000 words because I was just writing it into a wall. And it was really stupid. Do you want to hear the story? And yeah, we do because that's that's more interesting because honestly, being a best-selling author, that would be amazing. But I kind of want to hear the interesting story about the time that you thought you'd have a main character that was a teacup or something. And yeah, it didn't work out. But yeah, we have a great time talking to authors from all over and we talk about whatever they're working on, whatever they threw away, whatever the the time that they're book got so frankensteined in the process that they just drowned themselves in their tears and a bit of gin whatever works for them but yeah later today we're going to be interviewing David Burr Gerard so by the time this goes live I don't know what time it'll be so maybe we've already happened but it's three o'clock California time every Wednesday six o'clock east coast time every Wednesday and I usually if, if you follow me on Twitter um I'm a fictional Hubbard um and I'll, I'll have try to post it. yes go and- for it I will have all of your links, by the way, guys, for uh, Vox Vomitus. Yes. <laughs> and, and all of um, Allison Hubbard uh, Martin's books. <laughs> all good. <laughs> A fictional husband's books in, um, in the links in the links below. Thank you, Anna. In the description below. So you will have all of her information um, so that you can check her out there. And I just really thank you for coming on today and it's, it's it has been a blast getting to chat with you today well, like, you too I appreciate I appreciate you taking the time to talk to some of us some of us little authors who are just struggling to be noticed still here stuff like that I love all of you guys and if anybody is interested uh please 
guys reach out to me because it's not, not scary. It's not as scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but um, make sure that you subscribe to the channel so that uh, so that you don't miss out on anything. Yes. And uh, we'll see you guys later. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Bye.